So uh, then it turns out my recipe for eggs erroneous help Ernest save the camp from an evil developer. Wow, that's amazing. Damn straight it is. You ready to talk some movies, Brennan? Yeah, okay. Well, let's go. Welcome to the Corrupted Youth Podcast. I'm Dan. I'm Brennan. And we're a father and son duo that explores the latest blockbusters, classic genre films, and the schlockiest of Golden Age VHS rental store flicks in spoiler-heavy fashion. Spoiler. <laughs> Welcome to our final summer slasher camp episode. Yay. I don't know whether to be excited or sad. Same here. Sad? Because this cool bit and fun little thing over the summer's over. And also sad because summer's over. But also excited because this is easily the best movie that we are going to cover. Well, talk about spoilers. Well. (laughs) I think it's kind of obvious. Yeah. I mean, if anybody knows these movies, maybe somebody likes one of the other ones better. But yeah, all three of our camp-related movies were chosen and voted on by the members of the Corrupted Youth Dongle Den on Facebook. Could you guys go? There, and we even made a camp t-shirt, mm-hmm. which you can find in Public. Find it in the notes. Brennan, you have one. I do. I love it. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. You, you got the yellow one, right? I did, yeah. Mm. like to change up the palette. Your mom's been wearing, she bought, she bought one in the sport gray, wears it all the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's her new favorite shirt. Wow. All right. Do we need a disclaimer for this episode? Um, content warning. Yeah. Uh, subjects about gender. Um, sexuality. Sexuality, transgender. Things of that nature. And I think that we're going to try to handle this as respectfully as we can and keeping an open mind and being just trying to be cool dudes about it. And so if we end up offending anyone... Uh, She wasn't a very cool dude, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) It was not our intention. Yes. Just trying to be cool about it and have a fun conversation about a movie that, for better or worse, is a cult favorite amongst people and somewhat... I guess controversial these days, but whatever. We'll get to that. That won't be until the very end. Yeah. Because we are discussing Sleepaway Camp. Not a lot of sleeping. (laughs) No, not a lot of sleeping in this movie. Well, I will go over the IMDb info here. It says, Angela Baker, a shy, traumatized young girl, is sent to summer camp with her cousin. Shortly after her arrival, anyone sinister or less than honorable intentions toward her gets their comeuppance yeah that's that's pretty right yeah that's cool it was directed by robert hitzlick who's also the writer and stars felicia rose jonathan tierston karen fields christopher collette mike kellen katherine i don't know i guess that's how you pronounce her name 
probably not that drawn out. <laughs> Paul D'Angelo and yeah, that's pretty much everybody I want to cover anyway. <laughs> that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these folks in this movie, you know, still working today. It kind of shows in this. There's some, There's some good acting, yeah. Especially yeah. from, like, for kid actors, it's pretty good. Yeah, a lot of a lot of this cast is under the age of 18 for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, mostly 13 to 15-year-olds. Which is impressive. Yes. And it's also impressive, too, because this, this movie made a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, what... It, what was it? Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars made eleven million. That's insane. Yeah. So by far the most successful of all the movies we've covered. For reasons, for for good reasons. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Although I did like the burning. I think the burning could have been more successful, but yeah, this definitely uh, this definitely surpasses it. <laughs> so yeah, we also have a trailer. So, Brennan. Yep. Will you crank up the trailer playing machine? Oh, yeah. Beep, beep, beep. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks. And I'm getting very scared. Welcome to sleepaway camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba Reba! Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Sleep away, camp. You won't be coming home. Wow, that worked brilliantly. Wow, that was such a cool machine. <laughs> it was so cool to just watch the trailer mm-hmm. right here in the dongle den. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So we've got, I took a very extensive notes on this. And um, so we've got quite the rundown because... I feel that out of all the movies we covered, this is one that people are super into. So I feel obligated to do a really good job on this. Unlike every episode we've done previously. Mm-hmm. Just hot garbage, every last one. I mean, it's just like, you know when you go to the bathroom and it's really hot and the air conditioning's off and somebody just left a deuce just chilling in there and it's like half melty and just... Stinking up the entire bathroom. That's all our other episodes. You don't seem impressed with that. Sure. No, we work hard on yeah. it. Yeah. This is also your first time viewing. Yeah. I've seen this. I've seen it a few times. I believe the first time I watched this, I was a kid watching it alone. Nice. Um, I don't know if I was single or double digits at that time, but it was definitely alone viewing. And let me tell you... Not what I not not what I expected. <laughs> Did not go the way I thought it would. Because yes, this does have an infamous shock ending, which we will play Brennan's mediocre reaction to it. <laughs> we did record Brennan's reaction as requested by our friend Pete from 
good beer, bad movie night, and G-Fest fame. So prepare to be whelmed. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. So Sleepaway Camp opens up with a montage of the closed camp in fall. And we see at the end that the camp is for sale. It's a pretty slow sequence. I thought for a second that this was, I was like, oh no, they definitely filmed all of this in fall like Mad Men. <laughs> Which they kind of did. It's not super noticeable like it, like it was in Mad Men. No. I mean, if you look really hard, you can see some of the trees are changing. But, but you can zone it out. You can suspend your disbelief. Yeah, at no point in time was like, well, it's definitely fall. Yeah, then we come back. It's 1975. Dad and his two children, Angela and Peter, are, they're enjoying a day on the lake with their small they're sailboat. having a very fun time, and nothing yep. bad will happen. Yep, they're, they're dad's friend. He's on the shore. He's calling out to him. He's like, hey, come on in. Like, we're going to have a fun weekend ahead. And everybody's like, yay. But then there's this, uh, it's a young couple, and they're taking another young woman water skiing. And I think we can all see where this is going when the guy lets his inexperienced girlfriend drive the boat. <laughs> Especially when the, the kids decide to tip the sailboat over, placing them and their dad in the drink. And they're all just splashing around like, hey, fun Fresh goofy. Meat. Yeah. Yeah, so there's quite the, there's quite the accident. Um, not really anything shown, but uh, other than a smear on the boat, kind of, it's very brief. Mm-hmm. And then... One kid floating in the water. It's just a it's just a life jacket. Like that single marshmallow that you leave when you're eating the cereal. <laughs> yeah, and the the horrified friend on the shore just can't believe what he's seeing. The water ski girl, she is freaking out. Yeah, she is she definitely will have some PTSD. She is going to need some therapy. Yeah, one child survives, sent to live with her aunt Martha and cousin Ricky. Aunt Martha is just so thrilled to have a little girl around. <laughs> Then we go to eight years later. Aunt Martha is she's sending Ricky and Angela off to summer camp, and this is Angela's first time going there. Ricky's gone previously, and um, yeah, Aunt Martha's kind of weird. She's dressed like very fifties, and she even like has a string tied around her finger to remember something, which oh, is yeah. very fifties. She's very like over dramatic, like she's like very overacting, in in a good way. Um. Yeah, she's she's really weird right off the bat. Yeah, she even makes a comment about how she got their their physical paperwork ready, and they can't forget that. And she's like super sus about everything. Yeah, <laughs> very sketchy. Oh, we can't discuss where that came from. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like I'm a doctor. What is going on with this lady? So yeah, go to the camp. Oh man, I did not write down the camp name. <laughs> I guess it's not really that important. No. But um, yeah, fun fact about this camp, it's the director, it's the same camp the director went to when he was a kid. I mean, it has a different name. That's but pretty cool. It's the actual camp. That's pretty cool. And I think it kind of shows in this, like there's a little bit of love for camp in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like all these buses show up and all the kids are running off and you've got um, the head of the, the camp, Mel, and the head counselor, Ronnie, he's the beefcake. Ronnie Beefcake, and all these kids are running, and they're just yelling at the kids' instructions to them, and the kids are just screaming, and that one kid biffs it right in front of Right him. in front of the, like, right in the middle of the actors. It just totally wipes out. There's no way that there, That could not have been scripted. <laughs> no way. 
Um, we also have the, the kitchen staff is out watching. And uh, we've got this Artie the Cook. And, man, this dude's getting super gross to these young kids. Yeah, he's a creep. Oh, yeah, he's just saying gross stuff. And then, like, uh, this other cook guy, Ben, this old guy, just kind of laughs it off. Which, like, no, dude. No, you report that. Yeah. You talk this, to somebody. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, more on these two in just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Ricky introduces Angela to his friend Paul. And uh, Paul seems like a nice kid. And then um, he, then Ricky, cousin Ricky's showing Angela around the camp. They run into Judy, who was Ricky's squeeze from the previous year. And um, he's very excited to see her. But um, Judy dismisses Ricky because um, she's got plenty of attention from the other boys. Because uh, let's just say she's had a lot of developments since the previous summer. Yes. And Judy is all about that. Well, Judy kind of is a one-note villain in this. Mm-hmm. Played to perfection. <laughs> yeah, no, that actress does a really good job. <laughs> as it turns out, Judy's actually bunking in the same cabin as Angela, and they instantly have beef because Angela just is staring blankly at Judy, which definitely is not going to help you out with fitting in at camp. <laughs> and uh, there's two counselors for the for the ladies' cabin. You have... Meg, who just seems like an older Judy. I don't know if they were related at all. I think they're just on the same wavelength. And then we also have Susie, who's she's a little bit more kind-hearted. And when Judy freaks out on Angela for staring at her, Susie steps in and is like nice about it. Where Meg is just not. Yeah, she can She's egging it on. Oh, completely. So then we're at the the mess hall and. Meg goes over and she gets um, Ronnie Beefcake to talk to Angela because apparently Angela hasn't been eating for the last couple of days. And this is where we learn that Ronnie, despite his muscle-bound, tight-clothes-wearing appearance, he actually happens to be a very positive and cool guy. Mm-hmm. He asks Angela to come back to the kitchen and find something to eat that Angela will like. And he's super cool about it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Very kind of unexpected. I thought for sure, you know, it would. He seems kind of like the character that would just be after all the ladies all the time and all into himself. But no, he's a pretty cool dude. But um, back in the kitchen, uh, unfortunately, Ronnie gets a phone call and Angela is left alone with the creep cook, Artie. Cousin Ricky, he starts looking for Angela because he's very protective mm-hmm. throughout this entire movie, very protective of his cousin. Like, he talks to Meg, and Meg's really snotty about it, as Meg is. Mm-hmm. But then we have uh, Cook Artie, the creepy cook. He's backed Angela into the storeroom, and uh, he starts getting creepy really quick, like, unbuckling his belt and everything. Thankfully, Ricky interrupts the scenario. Yes. And uh, Artie, the creepy cook, he just loses it, threatens Ricky, and he's, like, slamming him into this shelf. He's like, don't you tell anybody. He's just freaking out because, I mean, clearly, yeah, he's up to no good. Mm-hmm. And the two cousins quickly split out of there. The little thing about this scenario is that uh, they filmed it a whole bunch to get it right. And the guy who plays the cook slammed Ricky against that shelf so much. He apparently had marks on his back afterwards. <laughs> 
That's funny. Just adds to the realism, I guess. Yeah. And just more thoughts of like, yeah, you couldn't get away with that nowadays. No. That's this entire movie. <laughs> yeah. The head of the camp, Mel, sees the kids run out and Artie suggests like, ah, you know, like, ah, I think the, you know, I, I must have just scared them or something like that. And then Mel's like, hmm, right. <laughs> yeah. This seems very suspicious of what's going on there. You'd think you would know. Yeah. Clearly they have had the same staff working around. That Artie guy's like always drinking a beer. Yeah, so then later we've got Ben and Artie. They've got this like monster-sized pot on the stove, which I don't know if there are pots that size. It's comically huge. It's like four to five feet tall. I I get that like you would have to have a big giant pot to cook a bunch of corn in for all the campers. But. Holy cow. It is ginormous. <laughs> and maybe it's just that clearly there's dry ice or something in it. Yeah. And so that just adds to the fact that it seems cartoonish. Yeah, it's goofy. Yeah. Especially when he tells old Ben that he needs the chair that he's sitting on to <laughs> add the corn or add salt or whatever to it. Just keep on cooking. I mean, just to even look inside it, he needs that chair. Yeah. Ben ends up, like, leaving, and Artie has to go to the storeroom for salt because, man, he just loses it over not having any salt. And then we get our first uh, POV, someone sneaking in the kitchen. Artie goes up on the chair again, and then we see little hand reach out, take the chair, shit, give it a shove, which then Artie catches himself on the shelf, and he just starts freaking out. He's just like, ah, you gotta help me down from here. Like, oh, mm-hmm, yep. Yep, sure. That's exactly why we have a comically large pot of boiling water. But Artie acknowledges that it's definitely a kid, and he offers to make them an ice cream sandwich. And then we see the chair gets yanked, and Artie gets a little more pissed off. He's trying to reason, like he's done reasoning actually at this point, and he just starts like swearing at the kid. But then the chair gets a little second hand on it, and another yank, and then Artie falls, taking the pot of boiling water with him. And wow, this effect is very super good. Gross. Yeah. Oh man, I just think of when your sister accidentally dumped some boiling water on her leg, mm-hmm. and it was super gross. I mean, it looks it looks pretty realistic. Yeah, it's say. a very good effect. I even burned my finger today at work. Yeah. Yeah, I touched a pan that was like two hundred degrees, Ooh. and uh, instantly red, blistered, wrinkled up. Not fun. I was like, oh, it's just like in the movies. (laughs) Just like in the movies. Yeah. Yeah, there's even blisters that are just forming on them Mm -hmm. and just popping up out of nowhere. Yeah, it's really cool. It's super cool. It's super cool. The makeup guy on this movie, his name is Ed French, and he did effects for a lot of different movies. He's had a very long career, and he's worked on a whole bunch of stuff, like got nominated, even won like a couple Emmys. Huh. for his work like he did work on like even like terminator 2 dang he did yeah so i mean this is one of his i think this might be his first movie oh wow and the effects in this are really good they're really good I mean, there's not like a ton of effect shots in this but when they're there the camera will linger on them mm-hmm. it doesn't shy away it does not shy away and they are totally more than screen ready mm-hmm so, that, yeah, if that's another thing, I mean, you don't get a 
super ton of gore in this, but when you do, it's good. When you do, yeah, it's good stuff. And um, yeah, Artie ends up getting hauled away by some paramedics, and Mel just wants to cover the whole thing up just so like the kids don't freak out, or parents find out about it, and yank their kids out of there because he's just trying to keep this camp open. And th- this scene just really bothered me a lot too when he puts Ben in charge, old Ben. Yeah, because Ben's a old black man, and holy cow, does he really sell this? Of you, man, Ben's seen some stuff. Ben has had definitely dealt with some racism, and does not want to stir the pot with the white guy in charge at all. And it's very sad. Anyway, Mel offers to pay him extra money, make him head cook, pay the rest of the staff an extra like fifteen bucks a week, which I'm guessing in early 1980s money is pretty good pretty good yeah i think that's the last we see of anyone from the kitchen for the rest of the movie so yeah meanwhile at ricky's cabin they're pulling a mean prank on this kid named mozart who just ends up getting his face planted in between some bare butt cheeks which man you couldn't get like kids butt cheeks in a movie nowadays nope not at all then they're they've got this uh hairy half shirt counselor his name's gene was he there to see the whole thing yeah because it seems like he was in the room but they didn't show him and he just kind of yucks it up with him like he he, yeah he just thinks it's funny yeah (laughs) and um they like end up like you know he takes him out to go play a game of softball with uh against another team of like older boys but here's something sad about this that kid that played mozart was actually bullied by the other boys while they were filming but Apparently, uh, the guy who played Gene would stay true to his character and actually intervened and like would stop the kids from picking on him. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That's another thing. Like even Gene, all these counselors in this, except for with what's the exception, Meg. Yeah, they're all really cool. They're all really nice people, mm-hmm. and then it's refreshing because a lot of times in movies they make the counselors really mean. Yeah, or just, you know, they're just horn dogs off farting around doing whatever. Not really any of that in this movie, as far as, like, the counselors are concerned. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. It's kind of bucking a lot of typical camp trends. But it's more true to what it's like in life. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, God. Yeah, the camp I went to, all the counselors, super cool people. They were all rad. None of them were, like, mean. Because then they want to be hired. You're hired because you're cool. They weren't drinking and getting high and being horny all the time? No, they just like sing campfire songs, make jokes. Okay. I know. Hey, I don't know. I never went to camp. Yeah. So yeah, then we get some uh, softball game action, which this scene really solidified it for me as far as the wardrobe in this movie, because this is the most 1982 outfits I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it hit home. Because, I mean, whoever did the wardrobe for this nailed it. Because this is how everybody looked when I was a kid. It ran the gamut. All your crop top shirts on dudes, short shorts, big tall socks with the stripes on it. Hmm. All that. That's how everybody dressed all the time. <laughs> even We even get a mesh shirt in this movie, too. You don't see those very often. No, those, that was a very of its time thing that I remember. Yeah, I had one. <laughs> I had a mesh cropped up. Nice. Jersey. Nice. It's like a half jersey. Yeah. 
You were cool. No. <laughs> Definitely not at the age of seven. <laughs> I mean, this this whole scene's like uh, pretty uneventful, except for the exchange between this Bill guy and cousin Ricky, where the Bill guy says, "Eat shit and die, Ricky." And then Ricky says, eat shit and live, Bill. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> That's just genuinely good writing. That's just funny. Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of establishing like there's another group of another cabin of boys that mm-hmm. are a little bit older and have a feud. Yeah, they're not like as not as cool. Well, I shouldn't say that. They're just not as chill. Yeah, they're, they're not, uptight. Yeah. You know, they're a little more uh, troublemaking where a lot of the Ricky's camp seems more innocent fun. But I will say this. Ricky's always in charge of all those pranks, too. He's a little scoundrel. Some of the boys from the opposing team, um, they're hanging out in this rec hall, and uh, they've they've got this mullet kid, and this, the collar of his t-shirt's been cut out or whatever. Yeah. This blue oyster cult t-shirt. Man, that kid's hair. Fantastic of its time. Just a featheredness. It's not, it's not quite a mullet, but it's... It's gross. I mean, that kid's definitely would... He would definitely be driving a Camaro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his name's Kenny, and um, he's got this other prep kid that's just kind of in the movie. I didn't bother to even learn his name. Yeah. Or research Doesn't matter. It, it so doesn't matter. Kind of reminded me of um, Evil Dead 2, the the sweater guy that shows up with the, the girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's how this kid was dressed. <laughs> yeah, that's very accurate. <laughs> just like gray slacks and a pink button-up shirt. Yeah. That just kind of weird short feathery blonde hair yeah so those two guys they go up to angela and what was it they just kind of dared somebody to talk to angela yeah and um when angela doesn't respond they just start teasing which is just mean Mm -hmm. cousin ricky and paul come in and they see what's happening and ricky instantly gets scrappy and protective and starts a pretty cool fight with kenny it just instantly explodes to a whole bunch of kids fighting. Mm-hmm. And the the Kenny kid like knocks off that cowboy hat that Ricky came in with. Mm-hmm. Which once you see it happen, you just, it's just an instant. Well, that cowboy hat's a matter of convenience because he never wears a cowboy hat. Nope. You never see it again. <laughs> it is just to get knocked off his head. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then. Uh, Counselor Gene, he breaks up the fight, takes Ricky away. That's when Paul takes a moment to just talk to Angela. And Judy, despite having all boys around her constantly in this movie, just for whatever reason, probably just to be a pain in the butt, she goes over and has to interrupt because she just can't handle some other girl getting attention besides her. Especially if it's Angela. Especially if it's Angela. It's not even as if Paul at this point is really putting on the moves or anything. Mm -hmm. He's just starting a friendship. Yeah. Then outside we have this group of boys and they're trying to convince this other group of girls to go skinny skinny dipping with them. And that's another point of this movie. The girls never seem interested in whatever the horny boys are into. And they just have zero interest in this. But um, these boys just go anyway, and then we get a whole bunch of butt scenes, just boys running off a dock. Which is weird. 
pale pale nighttime butts. But then uh, Kenny and the prep kid are, I don't know, like they're wearing different clothes. Well, not Kenny, the other kid is. The prep kid's now in like this crop top shirt and they're getting high underneath the bleachers. Or no, it's not bleachers. They're by like just some canoes. Yeah. They go over and talk to the girls, but uh, Kenny ends up getting a little more success than the bare butt kids because uh, some girl named Leslie, um, they decide to go out for a little nighttime canoe trip. And Kenny, you know, is doing typical guy stuff, teasing her about water snakes and starts rocking the canoe until it tips over and it capsizes. She's pissed and just swims off. And then this seems like pretty goofy. I don't get like, did he not realize that she swam off? Because he starts like calling out her name. Yeah. And then he goes underneath the canoe. <laughs> he keeps saying like, hey, Bob, a rebob. Hey, Bob, a rebob. It's weird. It's super weird. I don't know what is going on in that part. Like, I don't know. I guess maybe it's because he's high. I have no idea. But then, uh, so yeah, Kenny's underneath the canoe. Someone else pops up and he seems annoyed by who it is. And then he easily gets dunked to death. Probably, I'm guessing, because he's high. Because it didn't seem like much effort needed to be put needed to be put into killing him. Mm-hmm. Then the prep kid and the other the other uh the skinny dipping boys now have clothes on and they're there when Leslie swims up to shore and they joke about, you know, like, ooh, did you see a water snake out there? And they hoot and holler and grab their junk and I'm like, what is going on with these boys? It's weird. They're just being idiots. And then they all just leave and I mean Kenny just I don't know they're just like, yeah, he must just be hanging underneath that capsized canoe. So, uh, bye. That's some good friends. So then we get the next morning and there's this counselor. He was like the lifeguard guy. He's just ranting and raving about the camp being a mess. And we complaining about Mel making him go clean everything up. And that's when he tips over this canoe that's on the shore. And, ooh, dead Kenny underneath there. Not quite sure how that happens. Well, he was probably just put there. Weird. Well, I mean, you got to make it so find the person. That's like Slasher 101. (laughs) Somebody's got to find that body. You can't just kill somebody and then like... Hide the body like a normal killer? Yeah. (laughs) They almost always want somebody to find the body. Mm -hmm. Plus it makes for a fun reveal because Kenny makes for a really fun looking corpse. It's very good makeup again yeah or just prop yeah um, i think it was the, just a prop yeah because the snake crawls out of the mouth yeah and it just hangs on that for a long time mm-hmm. super neat so the cops come and it's this mustachioed cop more on him later <laughs> <laughs> but mill's really trying to keep this as an accident and uh ronnie even tries saying something and mel just yells at him and the cop, you know, he's just like, hey, an autopsy will reveal the truth. And then Mel goes to call the parents and the cop asks Ronnie what he really thinks. And Ronnie's like, I don't know. You know, that kid was a really good swimmer. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of like, I don't know. Could you imagine being at camp? You already have one guy who's been severely burned. And the guy's drowned. 
an, yeah, a kid drowns. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And none of his other, like his bunk mates, seem to give a shit. No one cares. At all. Never gets brought up again. No. It's just more problems for Mel later. Nobody else cares. But Paul comes over to Angela and he asks Angela out on a date. And Angela actually responds. This is the first time we hear Angela talk in this movie. And Angela says yes. Judy, of course, does not like it, so she decides to sick Meg on her like an attack dog, and we'll see more of this happen throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. And Meg gets on Angela's case about not participating in any activities. But Susie comes in, stops the confrontation, and then we get the post-date where Paul walks Angela back to the cabin, but he stops and awkwardly Peck smooches Angela, kid stuff. Yeah, I was just like, okay. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah, they say goodnight, and Angela just goes off, and Judy uses this as an opportunity to swoop in and talk to Paul, because she's always just popping up. Yeah, she's lurking. She must just be hiding behind every corner. <laughs> like a killer. Whoa. Ah. <laughs> Paul returns to his cabin, where they're pulling the... The waking someone up with a shaving cream in their hand prank on Mozart. Mozart does not respond well to this prank Mm-mm. and pulls a big knife on Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> and Counselor Gene has to step in and confiscate the knife, to which yeah. he just sticks it on a shelf. In front of his, everybody. Yeah. Like, all the kids saw that. Yeah. All the kids saw it. Who's the killer? It's obviously some kid <laughs> who's going to get this knife. Well, this is a great time for us to just take a little break, listen to a promo from another podcast that we're totally into, and you should listen to him too. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet... Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Ming. Wait, you see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud too? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking 2? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of 
Darkness? Flash dance? <laughs> <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's flash dance. So the next day, Paul goes and he goes to talk to Angela while she, Angela's sitting out on swim time. And it's a it's like a weird guess who moment where he covers her eyes. He's like, guess who? And Angela just responds, Burt Reynolds? I don't know. It's It's weird. It's a really corny. Yeah. Angela gives a couple guesses and I don't know, whatever. It just ends up like, oh, it's Paul. What a, what a, what a card he is. (laughs) And then because Paul is around Angela, Judy has to stop by and be a bitch quick because Judy, of course she runs off to get Meg to be the bossier bitch in this situation. (laughs) And Angela just refuses to answer whenever Meg asks any type of question. And then out of nowhere, in comes Ronnie Beefcake, diffuses the situation. It seems to be how this movie goes a lot. Something's bad happened to Angela. Oh, someone shows up, stops the bad thing from happening to Angela. And is nice. So we have another scene. It's at the girls' cabin, and Judy starts giving Angela crap about not showering with everyone else. And... Judy is really laying into Angela about this and saying all sorts of stuff related to girl parts and whatnot and puberty while the other girls watch and giggle. And Susie happens to be there this time and she sees the whole thing go on for quite a while and then she finally decides to step in and just slaps Judy in the face. Yeah, it was kind of great. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, she felt really bad after. You could tell she was pretty shaken, but she didn't like slapping another person. But it was was pretty cool. Yeah, man, Judy had that coming. Yeah. Angela decides to go for a walk, and we have the the boys from the other cabin crew. They're having a water balloon fight on their cabin's roof, which... Weird. So weird. (laughs) Yeah, they notice Angela and throw a water balloon at Angela. Ricky sees this flips out on them and throws out like legit threats saying that he's going to get back at them and they're going to pay for that. And Mel intervenes by grabbing Ricky and tell the boys to get down and he scolds all of them. But here's the thing earlier, Mel was Mel could have totally seen those boys on top of that roof. Yeah. You could see him in the background. Yeah. Playing like baseball catcher or whatever with some kid. So he totally had to know what was going on. I feel like he's the kind of guy who does not want to get involved unless he absolutely has to. Yeah. And he probably just went, Ugh, and like got up. It's like, okay. Yeah. So I, I feel this definitely plays a factor into Mel having a beef with Ricky mm-hmm. over all this. Oh yeah. It's later that bill guy from earlier who has to, who's told to eat shit and live. He goes to take a dump. I don't know if he's getting shit to eat and then live. We see a wood rod go between the two stall handles. So like the stall he's in and the stall next to it. And essentially locking him in. And then we see a hand come up through like the... We can see it through the mesh window above the stall. And it's a kid's hand. It has Mozart's knife. Oh. Huh. Who hmm. ever suspected that? 
cutting open the, the screen. In comes a stick with a beehive on it. And the most preventable death in this movie. Yeah. Because the kid's in there just going, hey, cut it out. This isn't funny. Hey, stop. Ah! Trying to get the door open. So many options. Crawl underneath the door. Totally. Grab the beehive. Throw it out the window. Or, you know, go underneath the door. That is like the easiest solution. You Yeah, you could see that earlier. He could totally a, slip out. It's a bathroom stall. Yeah. Just nope. Just going to keep trying to open the bathroom door. Because there's no possible way. And also, okay. So he dies from this. Yes. How? Unless he's allergic to bees. That's never brought up. Well, I think he could have just gone in the shack. Just from being stung so much. Yeah, but... Because he does finally break out and just falls dead. It's just like, I don't know. There would have to be a lot of bees. Well, his face is covered with bees. Which was a lot of bees for just one hive. I don't know. It doesn't add up. Well, this is the weirdest. It's movie magic. Yeah, it's just a weird... Oh, also, no magic in this movie at all. Yeah, no magic. Completely non-supernatural movie. But, I don't know. I think he should have just gotten, like, stabbed or something. Yeah. Just, like, bees? That would not be a fun way to go. No. So, not a camp story, but it was a summertime story. I ended up getting stung. I stepped on, like, it was next to this 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 creek that everybody was kind of hanging out and swimming in. And this guy threw my hat. And I went to get it, and I stepped on this, like, part of a tree. And just, there must have been bees living in there, or hornets, or whatever. And they all came out, and just all over me. And I just screamed bees, and jumped in the water. And I ended up getting taken home. My mom, this, this is so weird. My mom just left me at home. Covered in, covered in stings all over my body. I lost count at, say, 22 stings. I had them everywhere after a while i was just laying on this air mattress in the living room watching jaws (laughs) and i started to feel kind of weird and tingly and probably not good (laughs) well you're here now so or did i die on that air mattress watching jaws and all this is just a weird dream afterlife just my brain firing off pretty cool dream (laughs) this is just what my brain decided to give me as I lay dying. Donald Trump as president? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of weird. Well, not currently. Yeah. But, yeah. Huh. Wow, that really sucked. Yeah. Also, your brain can come up with a lot of really good music and movies. <laughs> yeah, actually it has. Mm, except for those Star Wars sequels. Yeah. That's where it's, that's where it's starting to decline. That's where... <laughs> nose diving <laughs> i mean i guess i could see where being stung a lot if you're not even allergic could be dangerous but yeah, it's weird it is it's weird. just weird it is weird but you know what it's a neat effect oh man mel is completely had it at this point and he's really freaking out saying that they're finished they're wiped out and mel is convinced now that Ricky is the killer, and Ricky is intentionally trying to ruin Mel. To Mel, this is personal. Ronnie Beefcake is trying to remain the voice of reason throughout all this, and trying to calm Mel down. And I think Mel's the kind of guy who doesn't want to spend a summer with his wife. 
Yeah, definitely just a left home. Yeah. Wants to make some extra cash. Yeah, it's, maybe that's how he just coasts through the rest of the year. Yeah. Collects unemployment, <laughs> works for that one season, runs a crappy camp, and looks like he just smells of bourbon and cigar. <laughs> Too bad he was actually dying of lung cancer and didn't make it to the premiere of this movie. Oh. That's why he looks pale and gross oh. the entire time. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Maybe he shouldn't smoke so much. I think that's probably why he was smoking, because... He's like, hey, they're already shot. <laughs> yeah. Don't smoke, kids. Yeah. Adults, either. Yeah, Angela's awkwardly looking around outside a cabin. Nighttime... And we get another POV, and a hand grabs Angela along with a boo. Horrible way to introduce yourself. Yeah. Don't do that. Why? Why boo on top of it? Yeah. Remember all the times we would work in the haunt, somebody would just scream boo in your face? It's not fun. Boo is never good. It's the worst thing. Yeah. Hey, anybody, dongles, you want to scare somebody? Don't say boo. It's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. It's not frightening. You're getting a jump scare regardless. You can say anything. Yeah. You literally say anything. I'm going to stab you in the face. Or pony. And the person's going to scream. Yeah. You could go, banana splits. It's the shock. Not, yeah. Not boo. Boo. What are we? Women in the 1930s. Also, ooh, that isn't a very good sound to like. Can't project that very well. Got to hit the higher ranges. Or an ah. Rail car, that'll do it. Ooh, I am frightened right now. Yeah, that was scary. Oh, yeah, but anyways, this is just Paul trying to scare Angela. Angela expresses thoughts. He was the killer just now and also brings up Billy's toilet death. So word has gotten around camp. There is a killer on the loose because Angela says, I thought you were the killer. <laughs> it was a very good delivery. <laughs> I've watched this movie a whole bunch in preparation. The two of them sneak off to the lake, smooch, horse around a bunch, and then Angela gets weird when he tries to open Angela's shirt, which, I mean, please Fair, fair enough, yeah. Yeah. You gotta know your limits. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's Boundaries. ready. Exactly. But then we also get a flashback. It's young Peter and Angela giggling as they watch their father, who's in bed with his friend, his male friend from earlier in the movie. And it's kind of weird what they're trying to say here with this. Who cares? I think that's our, mo- our modern sensibility. I don't know if it was played for shock value then or just, Oh, this is going to influence the psyche. Yeah. I think that's what it was really about is. Yeah. Cause they also have this weird thing where it's, they're both sitting in a bed and Peters is pointing at Angela and it keeps like spinning and fading out, mm-hmm. coming back in. Yeah. I guess that's a, a clue to ending, perhaps. But yeah, I don't agree with some of the stuff, but we'll get into the, kind of that stuff later. Cuts back. Angela tells Paul no and then runs off into the night. We get a fun moment of the next day where there's this capture the flag co ed event. And I like how Gene is pretending to swallow the flagpole. Yes. In the background while the other counselor. It's very goofy. <laughs> this feels like a very real moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's like. I could see if they just said, hey, mm. if we're actually, let's have a capture the flag game. Yeah. And 
they just did. Mm-hmm. They actually went and played. And it always seems that something's happening. And then Paul goes over and talks to Angela, <laughs> stops whatever activity he's participating in, where Angel is usually just staring off into the distance. But yeah, Paul comes up and he talks to Angela about the previous night. He's actually worried whether or not he did anything bad to upset Angela. And, you know, Angela just wasn't ready. Paul says he understands and puts his arm around Angela, but Angela shrugs him off. Then Paul gets frustrated, which, not cool, dude. It's all right. You just apologized. Mm -hmm. We just mentioned boundaries. And then I don't understand. I mean, I guess story. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably it. I don't know why I'm trying to like figure out the why why would he do that? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a movie. <laughs> yes, because it has to happen because Angela needs to storm off so Judy can immediately emerge. Yeah. Take advantage of the situation, which I liked this one the best, I think, because she is just under where the camera can see her and she just stands up and walks over. <laughs> It's she just pops up. It's like she's summoned. She just appears. <laughs> oh, Angela's talking to a boy. <laughs> Ricky catches up with Angela because he's got this great plan to just sneak around and capture the flag, but he needs Angela's help. And Angela begrudgingly agrees. And Ricky's plan is that they are going to go into the woods. They're going to split up. Everybody goes to get Angela, and then he's going to sneak around, get the flag. Smart. Yeah. Smart idea. Not a bad idea. But they end up running to Judy and Paul making out, and Angela runs off, and Paul follows, and Ricky is not impressed with Judy. He's mad. He's very mad, because she upset his cousin. Do you think Ricky uh, read The Art of War? Maybe. He's like, I, this this dude is on to something. <laughs> they really should have set that up earlier. Would have really explained the flanking maneuver a lot better. It's very unrealistic. Should have showed him in his cabin just reading The Art of War. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> and it's also another clue that Ricky could be a killer. Yeah. I mean, all that we know so far is that it is a kid. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all we know. Who may or may not have read The Art of War. <laughs> it's up for debate. Yeah, so, hey, if you haven't seen this movie, don't go listening. Um, definitely read The Art of War first, so you can understand yeah. this scene. Yeah, the flag scene, complex. Yeah, I mean, we're just breezing over this. It gets really intense. When the helicopter shows up and that starts, that's just another object. That's on the red team. That starts to get really tricky. Insane paratroopers there's a tank blue team has a mech <laughs> it's, it's very confusing does not fit the movie at all <laughs> gene who we saw him swallow the flag earlier mm -hmm. turns out he swallowed a sword yeah pulls it out uses middle that advantage yeah it's pretty crazy stuff you see meg die they don't even explain that she's just back later meg explodes hit by a cannon hit by <laughs> mid-18th century cannon <laughs> uh, Paul apologizes to Angela and asks for another chance. Judy shows up, of course, spoiling that situation, this time just chasing Paul off. Mm -hmm. And then we also have Mel stopping Ricky 
And he starts asking questions about how his summer is going. Hey. So, uh. Having a fun time here. Have you, uh, stabbed anybody? Have you read The Art of War? (laughs) What are your thoughts on bees? How hot do you think that water was that dumped all over the pervert cook? Could you possibly drown a stoner in the middle of the night if given the opportunity? How many kennies do you think you can haul on to shore along with a canoe? Can you reconstruct Meg? <laughs> we need her for a later scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then Meg ends up, just, this is where she's been reformed. Mm-hmm. Stitched together. Yep. She joins Judy in berating Angela about not swimming, and Meg ends up hoisting Angela over her shoulder and takes Angela, kicking and screaming, to the dock. Ricky sees this, and of course he wants to help his cousin, but Mel ends up just losing it on Ricky and starts accusing Ricky of being the killer, but Ronnie steps in, allowing Ricky to get loose. Because that's how everything works in this movie. Yeah. Just a nice person swoops in. (laughs) The girls are successful in dropping Angela in the lake, and a struggling Angela gets pulled out by a lifeguard and Ricky. And I like when Ricky is walking Angela onto the beach and there's this group of little boys just chucking sand at them. Yeah. And just Ricky's like, he just is like, knock it off, fuckers. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that was unscripted. It does seem very unscripted. Like those kids were just hanging out doing that. But I have a theory about these kids later in the movie too. Okay. So Ricky, he comforts Angela and says he's going to get back on Judy and Meg. Dun, dun, dun. That night, Ronnie Beefcake, he's having a counselor meeting about the upcoming social. And he says that uh, some of them get the night off, but he tells counselor Eddie, I don't know that because I had to look him up because I had to differentiate who counselor Eddie was. <laughs> Eddie has to take some kids on an overnight outdoor camping trip. Meg is happy about her night off. She goes to set up a date with... um. Mel. For some reason. Mel. Not really established. I mean, Mel is totally down for this, which, I mean, I guess you can't blame the guy. I mean, if you're a creepy, weird old dude. Yeah. Just kind of gross and full of bourbon. <laughs> yeah, that just comes out of nowhere. It's weird. It is completely weird. Apparently he had offered her dinner. Yeah. Uh, weird. Yeah, even weirder, but yeah, hey, who are we to judge? Maybe it's love. <laughs> to prepare for her big date with Mel, Meg decides to take a shower, but all the shower stalls are taken in their cabin. So Meg just goes to this cabin that nobody's in, apparently. Like it, there are mattresses stacked up and stuff, so apparently nobody's using it. And she goes in there to take a shower, and we get the worst, or maybe the best shower acting I've ever seen in my life. It is. It has to be seen. I don't know. It's hard to describe even. It is hard to describe. I guess if you've seen the movie, then you know. But it is hilarious. Just how, I don't know. She's just like rubbing a bar of soap in her hands and by her neck. And that's it. And just singing a song to herself. She's just humming and it's like not even a tune. It's just random notes. Just complete randomness. Although, shower scene... No nudity. Mm-hmm. Mostly because she's cyborg from mostly the neck down at this point. 
she backs into the side of the shower stall, and from the other side, we see Mozart's knife again. Uh-oh. And it gets plunged through the shower stall into Meg's back, and then the whole knife gets yanked down through the shower stall and Meg's back. This is very unrealistic, I must say. What is the strength, or what, or how badly is this shower made? It would have made way more sense if the person just, like, pulled the curtain back. I mean, it's at least probably, like, a cheesy plastic or Formica panel or something. But, like, okay, I could maybe get stabbing through it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Sure. But pulling it down? How sharp was Mozart's knife anyway? He kept it pretty sharp. Gene was right to take that away. Yeah, that was a dangerous weapon. Absolutely. Kids, don't play with knives. Yeah, I even have in my notes here, dang, that's some strong. At least the killer rinses the knife off and has the courtesy to turn the shower off, too. Yeah. I mean... Save on the water bill? Water conservation. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if anybody's keeping score out there, trying to figure out who the killer is, based on our description, but... I don't know. Who, who's been the most environmentally conscious child in this movie? Mm-hmm. Who who read books about whaling? Oh. oh, they'd be pretty. They'd be pretty fired up. Yeah, that is true. Maybe they have a collection of books that contain deep knowledge. Hmm. Now we get a brief setup of Counselor Eddie dealing with his outdoor camp crotch goblins, and then we have Paul begging for Angela's forgiveness. Angela tells Paul to have a meetup at the waterfront. After the social. Oh. Oh. Man, budding romance is so sweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're kind of like a cute little couple, though. I kind of like it. Yeah, it's very innocent. Except for, you know, I mean, like, I feel that Paul's been doing okay. And I think Angela would open up and, mm-hmm. you know, Paul would take his time now that he's learned his lesson. A couple of Counselor Eddie's kids, they start complaining about being cold because they don't have a fire to keep warm (laughs) or anything of that nature. They're just plopped out in the middle of the woods. And so then he's like, well, I don't know, just go to the car. I'll take you back to the camp quick. Mm -hmm. But then he looks over and there's just like, I don't know, four or five kids still sleeping in their sleeping bags. Ah. And they'll be fine. <laughs> and that's when we get the the nice uh, POV shot of the killer. <laughs> <laughs> and the little sleepers are not alone. Oh. And uh, the POV camera also notices a hatchet. <laughs> so. You can infer. Yep. Mel is now looking for Meg. Because he really wants that date. Mm-hmm. Now Judy decides that she's going to make out with that prep guy from earlier in the movie. And they're making out alone in her cabin. And I was like, she says, do you have to kiss so wet? <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Mel ends up showing up to that cabin and the boy hides. And Judy says that Meg went off to shower earlier around dinner time, which their date was set up for nine o'clock. So a three hour shower, approximately pretty long. Yeah. Even if it's just yeah. two hours. It's a, An hour is long. Yeah. 30 minutes is long. 15 minutes. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I, can, I can get that stinky in 15 minutes. 
and have enough time to just go, oh, I really don't want to have a day. Or, oh, I had a day. Yeah. Take your pick. They're, I feel they're interchangeable. Before Mel leaves, because she's reading, and I heard this all the time, and I don't think there's any truth to this. I heard it too. Reading in low light is bad for your eyes. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's like straining your eyes. But I also stare at like a blue screen, like for multiple hours. And I also do have retinal migraines if I do that. Okay, so maybe, <laughs> so maybe there is some validity to it. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember every old person told me that as a kid. Even if it was just medium light. It's just old people. Just They just want to ruin kids' fun. <laughs> you never hear that anymore because now they're just complaining about screens. Hey, you got a good point there, son. Yeah. Oh, kid, kids these days are all, they're not social because they're, they're on their phones. You know what people, okay. Before phones, it was just people reading newspapers. Like, that's not a joke. Like, I saw a photo that's comparing, it was like the 50s on a train. Everyone's just looking at a newspaper. Now, everyone's just looking at their phone. Things don't change. People don't want to talk to each other. Ah, right. it's just old people. I, it's just an old people thing. I think you're right. Yeah. It's just old people just wanting to be like, Ugh, don't read in the dark. I'm smarter than you. And then to, at least at least she was reading a magazine or a book. Like she's reading. Yeah. And if no person saw a kid reading a magazine or a book now, they would praise it. Well, you're actually look at that. You're not looking at your screen. What's it like in real life now? You're on your phone. I saw I saw a guy this last weekend texting on a flip phone. That's ancient. His his wife that he was with had a had a smartphone, and this old guy just clicking away. Oh, I just passed. Oh, I wanted C. Ah, I mean, granted, you can get pretty good at that. I bet you your sister Connor is. I wonder if she still has those skills. Still has that skill, yeah. I mean, it makes sense that they came up with things like LOL. And stuff like that. TTYL. Yeah, but a lot of that was still, came before then. Just chat talk online. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it came in really handy once he had to type for super long. Yeah, super handy. I remember Connor being freaked out because I knew some of that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Chat room? Anyone? I don't know. I don't don't really (laughs) use much of that lingo anyway. No, it's been, just spell it out. Yeah. We don't need shorthand. Autocorrect will probably figure it out. Or no, it's annoying when it does autocorrect. Like when I say like, OMW, on my way. That's a very simple one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my phone will correct it to on my way with an exclamation mark at the end. You know, cheesy you look (laughs) saying on my way. (laughs) That's so annoying. My friend Mike and I tried to get banal. We tried doing that because we didn't like LOL and it was, it stood for busted, not laughing. (laughs) Never took off. Funny to us. I could send it to him right now and he, he would know exactly what I was talking about. So anyway, (laughs) back to our story. Yeah. Hey, we were talking about a movie. Yeah. Um, Mel is still searching for Meg and he ends up checking that cabin out because he needs to, because movie. And her corpse conveniently falls out just in time to be revealed to Mel. And she lands face down and you can see the big gash on her on her spine all the way down. Just dead. 
Still no nudity. Yeah. And he all he goes, Oh, that's a that's a shame. He goes, Oh my god, that's too bad. Yeah, that's too bad. That's too bad. That's too bad. He goes, Oh, that's too bad. Like What a what a human response. Yeah. <laughs> but he quickly readjusts and starts blaming Ricky to himself. And he heads out for revenge. Then we have Judy curling her hair in the dark, which I feel that's something you shouldn't do. Yeah. Strain your eyes all you want. Don't curl your hair with an electric curling iron in the dark. Yeah. That seems that's like weird. a bad idea. That's a bad idea. I mean, even... I've burned myself on those as a kid. They're hot. Let me clip They're my dangerous. nails in the dark. What are you doing? No, just don't don't curl your hair in the dark. And she's also kind of dumb, so. Yeah, that is true. And I guess movie, too. Because we have someone opens the door. And we have a silhouette of someone standing there. So someone's standing in the doorway. She recognizes who it is. And then just immediately gets clocked in the face. <laughs> Just see this fist come and just punch her a good one. Which, all right. Not bad. Yeah. Judy deserves a good punch in the face. But then a pillow was placed over her head, and in silhouette, we see the hot curling iron used as a weapon. And... We never do get to see what that does. Well, allegedly, it does not go anywhere good. It is supposed to be inserted into privates. Oh. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Didn't pick that one up. No. I think I just have picked that information up over time. But yeah, that's where it's supposed to go. Apparently that scene was cut. I don't think they actually would have showed anything. Well, of course not of now. that nature, but... Dang! That's rough. Ooh, yeah. And I gotta say, like, I don't even think Judy deserved that. No. No, that's not good. And, um, well, once the deed is done, the killer places Judy under her bunk. And then Counselor Eddie returns to his camp, only to find the sleeping bags of the sleeping kids all hacked up and bloody. We do get a really fun, puke little action from him Mm -hmm. before he runs off calling out for help. And I love... A little puke. Oh, just a little puke. Just a little... Ah, it's one of my favorite things. It was completely unexpected. I was not expecting that. And yeah. Anytime I've watched it, I, I was somehow I managed to forget about it. And then when I see it, I'm all excited. So <laughs> maybe my brain just makes me forget. <laughs> but my theory on all these kids getting killed. Oh, they're the kids that were throwing the sand. Yes. It's the sand throwing kids from earlier because it was a that bunch would of little add kids. Up. Yep. That doesn't make sense. It does make sense. Huh. Interesting. It's, yeah, because... I was wondering why the kids would be. Attacked. Yeah, why would why would a group of little kids get hacked up? But now it makes sense. Yeah, but it's so just you wouldn't really pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, unless you read the Art of War. Oh yeah, remember the? I do recall the chapter that was like, if children throw sand at you, you must seek revenge. Chop them up with a hatchet in the middle yeah. of the night. Attack while they're asleep. <laughs> You'll never see it coming. Not very honorable, though. No. But... But it's the art of war. War isn't honorable. It's about winning. We've got some really terrible advice. (laughs) (laughs) 
Dongles don't actually murder any children, even if they throw sand at you. Unless it's a killer kid situation. Yeah. Then you can. If it's like a devil times five. <laughs> That's a throwback. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun movie. I love me some killer kid movies. Though. Yeah. They're fun. Never seen Children of the Corn. No? No. No. Let's watch it sometime. Just even for fun. Yeah. I think that, did they remake it? They did. Did they? Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I think. I did. They might have. I don't know if it came out or not, though. I thought they were remaking it. If they did, nobody cared. Or maybe it was like part five or something like that. Or Oh, man. Ridiculous. They made a ton of them. Yeah. They made a ton. And I don't. There was one where one of the kids was growing corn in the city. And. The only reason I know of this movie is because there was two or three times I woke up and it was a late night movie <laughs> and I just happened to wake up and see, catch it around the same time. Weird. I never watched the movie proper, but I was just kind of hanging out and I would always, so weird. That is weird. But I remember it not being good. <laughs> so it's a cheap concept, I guess. Yeah. Killer kids, some corn. What more do you need? Talk about this movie. We're getting close to the end here. Yeah. This is where things are just ramping up. So I guess I should be distracted by Children of the Corn. Ricky shows up as the social is getting out and heads in to grab some snacks before bed because he made a comment about how dinner was bad and he spent all night after dinner in his cabin. Yeah, they'd made a comment about that too. Mm Mm-hmm. So I feel they're throwing around a lot of alibis and whatnot at this point. And on his walk back, he gets nabbed by Mel, who pushes him down and proceeds to slap the crap out of him. Yeah, really pummels him. beat on him. Yeah, it's a pummeling. Mm -hmm. He's really upset about not being able to finally get it on with a young girl, apparently. (laughs) Or Or just just for killing people. Or just ruining his life, yeah. So this is it. Mel is our hero. Mel has finally confronted the killer and roll credits. Obviously not. The police arrive. Yeah. Ricky's hauled away and he said, it's all because I read The Art of War. (laughs) That's what a twist ending. Yeah. (laughs) So Ronnie Beefcake gets word of the kid killings in the woods and uh, he starts alerting the other counselors. And then... We've got Mel who wanders into the archery range where he sees someone he recognizes off screen, but you see the arrow tip twisting, catching the light. And he says, it can't be you over and over again. And then gets an arrow to the throat. Very good jump effect. Jump cut. It is. I. It's very seamless. I went through that several times. Uh Uh-huh to see if I could kind of catch it, and you can't. Yeah, no, it's seamless. It's, it's really good. Yeah. I I mean, hats off to just setting that up, because it turned out really good. Because you can't even tell, his head doesn't even, usually there's, there'll be just a little flinch. Yeah, no, it's... Ooh, excellent. I highly recommend when you watch it, to just watch that over and over again. <laughs> Then we have the cop from earlier. He shows up sporting a fantastic fake mustache because earlier it was his real mustache and now he's wearing this 
ridiculously fake mustache. It, I didn't notice it because I was just immersed fully. Oh, it took it took me immediately out of the movie. <laughs> he tells Ronnie Beefcake and the other counselors to make sure everyone stays inside. And then Susie comes up and says that Judy and Angela are both missing. So instead of telling everyone to stay inside, they just decide to go look for Angela and Judy. <laughs> At the waterfront, Angela meets Paul and suggests that they go swimming and that he take off his clothes. Paul is very Paul's excited. like, all right. <laughs> Heck yeah. Which... Yeah, I mean, whatever. The cop and counselor, Gene, find Ricky bloody and beaten, but he's still alive. On their way back, screams of Meg being found by a counselor are heard. The cop's look of shock when he comes out after seeing Meg's body is completely ruined by that fake mustache. Because it just hangs on him way too long. (laughs) Apparently that guy, they just had him come back, but he had another role. Oh, yeah. And he had shaved his mustache. Makes sense. Yes. So they just put a fake one on him. What What, can you do? Well, what you can do is go to the earlier scenes and use CGI to take the mustache off. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, nobody will ever know. No. It's going to... That would never become infamous. Nope. I mean, you could do that with just about anybody. And it only costs you a few million dollars. Think of an iconic character... That is instantly recognizable. To children across the globe. That you could just pull it off on. Give it a try. And maybe the actor's name rhymes with Fenry Bavel. Are you talking about the Fenry Bavel? Maybe. Oh, shoot. We love you, Fenry. (laughs) Keep it up. You're a favorite, Fenry. Ronnie Beefcake and Susie are together searching when Ronnie hears something. Just as his flashlight goes out, convenient. Mm-hmm. They follow the noise to the beach where Angela is caressing Paul's hair. The pair crawl out to Angela, who's not responding. Then we get a flashback of Aunt Martha talking to our little bandaged head survivor of the opening accident. Aunt Martha is just thrilled to have a little girl in the house and goes on and on about it, saying how they already have a little boy and just. And two just would not do. She says how Angela is a lovely name and how it means angel. It's kind of funny in these flashback sequences where it's almost a stage presentation. I like it, yeah. I I liked that because earlier they were clearly in the house when they were sent off to camp. Yeah. Or just like a more complete set. But in this, it's just the black curtain. Mm -hmm. It's just enough. Yeah. Like it's just the stairway. It's the stairs. And you can see her breath. Mm-hmm. Which is... Such a fun detail. Yeah. I really like that. She also says to Peter is going to like that name of Angela. Cut back to the beach as Angela stands up making a weird noise and Paul's severed head falls to the sand with a smile on his face. Hey. <laughs> the counselors stare in horror as Angela is standing nude, covered in blood, and just penis out. For the world to see. Got a doonger. Ronnie is shocked that she's a boy. Angela just stares at them, making the weird noise. And it just... Freeze frame. Freeze frame. Movie end. That's the end of the movie. Which is a very, very, very creepy ending. 
the noise is completely weird. Yeah. The interesting story behind this, <laughs> the scene is that, um, well, clearly you could not have uh, their initial their initial plan of having Felicia Rose wear a prosthetic penis because she was only 13, so she couldn't be nude. Plus her mom was like, no way, you're not doing that. And they ended up getting a college kid who, to this day, nobody knows who it is. <laughs> they got him drunk because he had to work up the courage to just stay in there naked wearing a Angela mask, which looks really good. It does look really good. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess that's why they would just have her just stand there and stare because you can tell when it's actually her because mm-hmm. it's all above like the shoulders. And then the full body is just this random dude. But yeah, it is it is unsettling. It's super unsettling. I believe that's exactly what you said. We'll listen to that clip now. That's freaky. That's freaky. I mean, that wasn't, like, the craziest twist. I was thinking, like, I was looking for red herrings. I was looking for all this and that. Huh. You weren't expecting that, though, were you? I was not expecting that. I did I did actually... I, I thought it in the back of my head, just because, you know, Angela was so nervous about showering, even going swimming, you know? So... I was like, oh, like she could be hiding something with that. And she was hiding something. Definitely hiding something. <laughs> well, that was whelming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Renan's reaction. There it was. Yeah. So, hmm. Oof, there's a, there's, there's a lot to unpack with this one. So a lot of people, um, I mean, I don't, you have to, I guess what is the intent of this this ending? I'm thinking it's just for shock value. I think it is shock value. Nothing more. I don't think there is any real thought put into it other than what a twist. Yeah. That you would just make the one character that you see throughout this movie who seems the most innocent and the most picked on doesn't really show any signs of aggression. Where you're diverting it more towards Ricky, Ricky, yeah, or it could be anybody else for that matter, and then just being like, "Oh, killer!" Also, penis. I think it also um, was also done because it it's a it's a good it's like the perfect twist because it changes the context of a lot of scenes earlier mm-hmm. throughout the movie. Oh, for sure, that fly underneath the radar. Oh, and yeah, it makes them stand out. So I think it was just. A very very effective twist, and it makes for a really um, weird and messed up backstory for a killer too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, and it, it ultimately is a tragedy. And um, there's a lot of people they they've been calling this movie transphobic, which I don't think qualifies. Granted, there are it, it is it is troublesome in a lot of movies where they will use somebody who is trans as more it's a it's not a good quality yeah and it's always done to trick somebody Mm -hmm. 
or you know they're always a deviant somehow and i and i i think the difference is is that this was forced upon someone you know this is not them being this is how i feel comfortable and i want to be the way that i feel inside Mm -hmm. that's not how this is working no this is being forced on someone and clearly it built up yeah and there's the trauma involved with all of it. Mm-hmm. You lose everyone you know. Clearly, there there must not have been a mother in this situation. Yeah. Because they get shipped off to the aunt. Well, and the husband was with seeing someone else. Yes. And, yeah, I don't think any... I don't think anybody really thought too deeply about the the homosexual relationship with the father as being anything that made Angela slash Peter become a killer? No, I think it was more to show that um, Angela Peter had a warped perspective on on gender and everything like that at a very young age. And then stacked on top of it, be, being forced to, to be a woman did not help. I don't think that it would have made Peter gay regardless. I don't know if that's just how they go. Well, that's why Angela would be attracted to Paul, which I think that's just someone caring for someone else and showing genuine interest. And, you know, is Paul only killed because he just, he knows Angela's secret of being actually Peter. Hmm. We're not really given a very distinct motive. Other than this stuff, and it's I don't know i I think it's just flimsy, I think it's just enough they just wanted the twist I think it yeah, I think it's just a really well made twist. I don't think that these ideas were they weren't around back then back in the early eighties they were there for sure yeah, and it I was mean, it was a known thing, but it wasn't um as talked about publicly and definitely not as publicly accepted or discussed or open i can think of two episodes of sitcoms that played the a male's character a male character having their old buddy come to visit and oh girl now and then they go but oh i'm not gay and they don't understand but that character is always really cool about it like hey you know, this is just who I am. This is who I've always been inside. Yeah. So still very progressive, even for those old shows, but it's still the initial part of it is always played as like, oh no, I'm being tricked. And people, other characters will make comments. So yeah, it was around, but it was still kind of a butt of a joke and stuff like that. So there probably really wasn't a good... Really Either way, intentions. I don't think there was I don't think there is anything that this movie was trying to say. No, I don't think so. I either. think it's just it's just a slasher movie and they wanted an interesting twist and a unique backstory. Because it was gonna get butts and seats. Yeah, because they got people talking, I'm sure yeah. everybody talked about the twist. Everybody wanted to see the movie. Yeah, nobody is gonna say hey. Clearly it was effective. Let they me made eleven spoil million. this for you. So you know the stoner guy who was killed in the boat? Yeah or underneath the boat. Uh, hey, Bob, a rebob. Yeah. Angela hey. didn't know how to swim, though. Uh, did she, though? Oh, I suppose she was wearing a 
Okay, so life jacket as a small kid, boat accident, and hasn't been in the water since yeah. in the last eight years. Yeah, terrified of the water. Very clearly, that was an honest reaction. Now, let's get into another thing here, okay? Let's get into another thing. Because, so you know how you, while we were watching it, you guessed that it was Cousin Ricky. Yeah. Because it was just super obvious. Yeah. Um, that he was the murderer. And here's the thing. Any scene involving a killing where you see any kid was played by the actor who was Ricky. Yeah, because you could see how tan his hands were. Yes. I, I and looking they for were that. definitely even as a child, they were it was more masculine too. Mm-hmm. And the thing is is that um Felicia Rose's mother did not want her to act any of the scenes of killing. She did not like the idea of her being the killer. So she never acted any of the killing scenes. And when the silhouette, when the killer comes to yeah, kill Judy. It's Ricky's silhouette. It's No, you can see it's Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> wearing a wig. Yeah. If you take that the seriously. Movie, the movie tells you one thing, yes. So, yes, if you take it seriously and you look. The Ricky's you, also a killer. Yes. Is Ricky also a killer? Or are, or are they both killers? Like, I think. Is it so? Well, they would both be killers because very clearly Angel's a killer. So, therefore, at least both of them are. Or at least Angela is. Right. Because I don't think Ricky could run and decapitate you know like he wasn't there he has an alibi he was not there true so and also ricky's like the only one that got mad at the kids oh yeah so i think you could you could play it that that ricky is also a killer and i think you have good grounds for that because ricky also had the crazy mom that mom still crazy yes so could have been both of them yeah, maybe Ricky is just really good at hiding the fact that he has those killer instincts and intentions. Also, he's the only one that knew where the knife was. True. Unless, yeah, because then you'd have to have something where you're just running on assumptions, right? Yeah. So you'd have to have something that he would have told Angela that story. Off screen. Yeah. And so that's why... very loose. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. It would be interesting. But then you have to think, who did Angela kill? Is it just Paul? What if they work together on some? Oh, yeah. I guess we'll never know. Pretty sure we'll never know, because it'll just, it's always just Angela. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it is. Yeah. We can speculate all we want, but it is fun to think about. Mm-hmm. It is fun discussion, and that's what's fun about it. That's why we do this. So, yeah. Um... You want to move on, the favorite scene? It's the ending. The last scene is very well done. It was very, very creepy. And and it's a very memorable ending. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? Yeah. There there are a lot of fun bits in this movie. Mm-hmm. But, dang. <laughs> yeah. You can't beat that. I'm sorry. It's just, just the complete what-the-heck moment of it. Mm-hmm. Especially for a first-time viewing. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you would uh, perhaps have your friends watch and you would just sit and wait for it and not say anything to them? That's uh, too boring of a movie. 
You think it's too boring? We'd watch something more goofy and fun. Oh. Okay. Um, how would you rate this camp? What do you think about the camp? It's kind of a lame camp. You think so? Cabins are kind of nice, like a little too nice. There isn't any privacy with like the bunks, which is how it usually is. But like, you just get a bed. You don't get like that's all you get. I don't like the the big hall. It just didn't look any fun. They had a nice water section. I like the canoes and everything. But I don't know, like something about like having like a like a community center kind of thing too. Well, they had that. They had the, like that rec center. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems kind of lame. The counselors were cool, though. I will say that. I feel that this is by far the most camp-like of all our camp movies. As somebody who has not been to a summer camp, this is another one, like uh, The Burning, where you could just remove the killer aspect from it, and you would have a, a camp romp or a camp drama Yeah. Of about bullying. Though I'd rather... I would much rather watch the Burnings killerless movie. I think that one just had much more fun characters. It was funnier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. That movie was just over the top and kind of goofy. And then it was like, oh, God, killer. But this is more, I guess, Ricky's your only comedic relief, which he is really funny. I'll give him that. But then it's just like, <sighs> oh, you just get to see Paul and Angela kind of work it out. Yeah, I guess. I'd say the burning had the better camp. I'd much rather go to the burnings camp, especially if you get to go to that island to camp out. That's pretty cool. That's that's pretty cool. It is your most survivable camp. Yeah. Unless you're a kid who knows how to drive a bus. <laughs> yeah. This, then then Man, you're totally... Man Mars is just so out of the discussion. <laughs> True. Anything else you'd like to say before we move on to our rating? Or will that just kind of come with it? This this movie was, I think, I think if I didn't know that there was a twist, I would have liked it more. Oh, so you're saying that you were told that there's a twist. So I was really overthinking everything. I was coming up with a million different theories. And actually, one of the theories was that it was Peter. That was Angela. I actually thought that, but I just kind of dismissed it because I was like, ah, you know, whatever. But yeah, I think I was just overthinking things. I think if I... I just sat back and been like, oh, fun killer movie. I would have been like, oh, it's Ricky. And then the twist would have hit and, uh, and my mind would have exploded. Okay. So our rating system, how we save movie, determines how we rate the movie. And Brennan, could you please say movie for your rating and whether or not you would recommend? This was a movie. It was a solid movie. I liked it. My rating, I liked it a lot. It was a fun twist. I. I'd recommend it, like you said, like if you watch it with somebody and see the reaction to the twist, I think that would be very, be very fun. It is a good slasher movie. It keeps a good pace and the non-killer aspects are interesting. I think there's like a body count of 13 in this movie. Yeah, but a lot of that's like kids yeah. and then like the beginning boat scene. You don't get much in the way of like seeing like gory murders. True. Murders happen and then you see the aftermath more. But yeah, I'd recommend it. Yeah, I'd say this This is a movie. Yeah, I, I really, I do recommend it. I, you know, I like the acting and it's pretty decent considering it's all kids. I really like the fact that they're just killing kids in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's presented in a way that's not, it doesn't feel like the exploitation of murdering children is enjoyable. It's it just, just part of the story. It, yes, 
it, they're not doing it just to kill kids. It, they're do well, except for maybe those ones that were sleeping. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> that's still off screen. And you are right; the gore effects are cool, but you only get like a couple of them, mm -hmm. and it's still like under an hour and a half. It may feel longer than that because there's a lot packed into it. Yeah, and once you realize that, it just hops around from Paul talks to Angela, Paul talks to Angela, Paul talks to Angela. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess I could see that, but yeah, it has a, some really fun moments in it and it's just the pure 1982ness of it. Mm. Just I really enjoy that. So I guess that's it. Time to go back to school and summer's over. Camp's done. Lame. Yeah. But it's almost spook season. It is. We're going to have to come up with some really cool movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? By all means, you are taking on command of the next movie. <laughs> Three in a row. <laughs> it's been a lot. It's taken its toll on me. I, the last time I did pick, um, what was it, that rat movie? Yeah, Rat Scratch Fever. Rat Scratch wow. Fever. That was... It feels like an eternity ago. Yeah, that was quite awful, too. I was I was shooting for more of like an Alien 3000 vibe for that, but missed the mark. That, uh, was, that was bad. Well, you're going to have to really come up with something to follow this up. Just saying. I don't know, for better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun doing this, and I'd like to do something like this again, just because it was fun to have a theme. Mm -hmm. Never really had an ongoing theme. Yeah, except when we did, like, we've had, like, oh segments, like the Star when we did all the Star Wars movies. And the Godzilla. Yeah. But those are things that we would probably would have just done anyway. <laughs> yeah, and we did get stuck with, like, Godzilla versus Megaguirus, which was really Doo doo, yeah. Yeah, well, there could have been a worse movie. Out of the millennium, no, actually, that was the worst movie. <laughs> like, it always just comes back to Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, dongles. Maybe you could write in, tell us your first experience with this ending. Don't you just do that? You well, could. What? What was your key takeaways from the Art of War? Oh, well, see if I told you. Then you would see me coming. Oh. Well, you've already lost. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what you do now. I've already figured it all out. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. See about that. That's what anime battles are like. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now you could tell us about your first time watching Sleepaway Camp or your opinion on who's going to win this next battle between Brennan and I. Who's going to win? <laughs> so you feel free to... Uh, Send us an email. Our email address is corruptedyouthpod at gmail.com. It's the most normal I've ever said it. <laughs> Join us in the Dongle Den on Facebook while it still exists. Because, man, I'm just losing it. I'm losing my patience again. Facebook! Special thanks to our listeners, the Dongles, and our fellow podcasters. Thank you for your support. Hang in there, Dongles. Could you possibly drown a stoner in the middle of the night if given the opportunity?
Hey, Bob, a rebob.